It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to have you here. I am excited to have one of my favorite people on the show today, Francis Jackson. Uh, Francis Jackson uh, is a regular contributor here. You guys uh, probably know that by now. But today, uh, I shouldn't say just today, but Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans' disability as well as Social Security disability benefits. He's a founding partner of Jackson McNichol. He has been a, uh, he's been featured on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, network affiliates around the country. He's most recently appeared as a guest of the Ben Glass of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show discussing benefits for veterans and Social Security disability benefits and how his particular practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disability. He's been quoted in USA Today and he's also listed in Cambridge's Who's Who. Mr. Jackson was honored by the National Academy of Bestselling Authors for a Quilly Award. In, his, in September of 2012 for his contribution as a joint author to the best-selling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. Also in 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. As always, for more information, please check out veteransbenefits.com. That's veteransbenefits.com. Let's share this episode with everybody you know. Let's get the word out that there are people like Francis Jackson and his team to help our veterans, our brave men and women. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thank you, Bert. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Well, it's always good to have you here, that's for sure. And um, I wanted to ask you this. I've been thinking about this quite a bit, and uh, I know that in the past you and I have talked uh, quite a bit about burn pits uh, during the Gulf War, uh, in the Middle East, and and uh, just wondering, are there any new developments? It looks like there are, Bert. Uh, there's a uh, there's a bill in the Senate and a separate bill in the House. Um, Representative uh, Mark Takano from California has introduced in the House a bill uh, they call the Comprehensive and Overdue Support for Troops, uh, parens cost of War Act uh, 2021. As, as you know, they've, they've, they've now seem to have uh, gotten to the point where a simple S followed by the number of the bill or H followed by the number of the bill isn't enough. They got these, these uh, acronyms. And, but anyway, this is, this, is the, uh, this is the acronym for the Takano bill in the House. And it's, um, it's a pretty comprehensive bill. It, it's proposing um, 23 different uh, presumptions for various medical conditions. Um, that is uh, is moving through the House. It's been uh, uh, already passed out of committee to the to uh, be uh, uh, pursued by the full Congress. And in the Senate side, Senator Tester from Montana, who's the chairman of the uh, Senate Veterans Committee, um, has a uh, separate bill called. Uh, Honoring our promises to address Comprehensive Toxins Act, PACT, 
So, you know, they, they always have to have these cutesy names now. But anyway, the bottom right. line is they, uh, they've, they've, got, they've got bills going in both houses. And what, uh, what Takano is saying is that the only thing that's really holding things up is they have to wait for the Congressional Budget Office to do their estimates on the cost of each of these bills. As you know, that's now a requirement for new legislation. You have to have a cost estimate to see what it's going to, how it's going to impact the national budget. So they're waiting on that. And then once they have the respective numbers for the two different bills, then the House and Senate can have a conference committee to meet and see if they can make the competing provisions into a single bill, you know, Add, add or delete as needed until they, until everybody's in agreement on, uh, on what needs to go into the, the particular piece of legislation. And then uh, both uh, Senator Tester and Representative Takano uh, seem very positive about getting it through in this uh, session. Takano's been quoted as saying he thinks it's a matter of weeks and we'll get this bill done in 2021. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, that that's, uh, that that's going to happen. Um, and um, Representative Takano was particularly, um, uh, I guess, effusive is, is a good word, about uh, Secretary McDonough saying that uh, he was very pleased and, and surprised that uh, Secretary McDonough, um, even within the first few months of his being secretary, had approved the regulations for the uh, the three presumptions related to burn pits that we talked about uh, recently, the presumptions for asthma, sinusitis, and rhinitis. So uh, it looks like uh, both Takano and uh, Tester are very positive about uh, passing something. There's no, you know, you never know in the conference process exactly what's what's going to be in and what's going to be out. But I think the majority of, of the issues in both bills will probably be consolidated into a single one that, that will pass. You know what, it, uh, it seems like since they're both, uh, both working on this that something will get passed. That's pretty exciting. Let me ask you this. Uh, what kind of medical conditions appear to be related to the burn pits? Well, the, uh, the big ones, um, in addition to the asthma, sinusitis, and rhinitis that have already been made presumptive, the big ones are the uh, breathing disorders, primarily um, the uh, COPD um, and uh, emphysema. Um, it's, it's, it's not as clear to me which of these other conditions um, are going to survive the conference process, but it looks to me like both of those probably will. Those are those are sort of the the primary um, types of problems that people seem to suffer from uh, with this exposure. Although there are a bunch of others, um, the, you know, people are uh, are talking about uh, uh, developing uh, skin problems, uh, including skin cancers, um, and uh, there's some suggestion that there may be some uh, some internal cancer uh, that could be associated depending on what the 
what was burned in the particular pit they were exposed to and how carcinogenic it is. But that I, th I think those are a little more speculative. I, th I think the big ones are the breathing disorders, and those are those are probably all going to be included. It looks like. That's good. That's good. And just just for our audience, uh, would you talk about what this? Uh, I, I don't know what to call it. The standard, because some things are. You talk about being presumptive, and some things have to. I guess oh, sure, they're not presumptive. Sure, talk, sure. talk about this. Sure. I, I I apologize for lapsing into legalistic lingo. Um, what uh, what that means, if if a condition is presumptive, it means that. Essentially, if you have that condition and you were in the specified uh, place at the specified time, then the VA will assume that there is a medical connection between your current disability and your exposure in service. And that's, that's a big deal because what it means is you don't have to get medical proof to show that your condition was caused by your exposure. So um, probably one of the better known presumptions is uh, uh, the Agent Orange exposure from Vietnam where there's a presumption that if you later develop lung cancer, that's because you were exposed to Agent Orange. Uh, or if you later develop diabetes, it's uh, presumed that you were exposed, that's because you were exposed to uh, Agent Orange. and these presumptions work the same way. As long as you were in the service at a place where you were exposed to uh, these burn pit fumes uh, during the time that uh, uh, the uh, pits were, were in operation, then there would be a presumption that if you have this particular condition, uh, most recently, as we talked about, they made uh, asthma uh, a presumptive condition. So. If you served in the uh, uh, in the Gulf area uh, within the time, were exposed to the burn pits, and develop asthma, you don't have to get a doctor to prove that your asthma was caused by this burn pit exposure in, in service. The VA will go ahead and make that assumption. So all you have to prove is that you were at the right place at the right time, or in real-world terms, at the wrong place at the wrong term, wrong time, um, but uh, you were you were there, and uh, you now have the condition. So that's that's a big deal in terms of proof. Otherwise, you have to come in in each case and prove that your particular problem was medically caused by uh, whether it's burn pit exposure or Agent Orange or whatever the the underlying condition might be. Right. And that obviously is harder. Yeah, and 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 this is something, I, and I wanted to bring that up because this is something that you again, uh, you and I have talked about in the past, where to, I would say the average person, one plus one equals two, but to let's say the uh, Veterans Administration, one plus one doesn't always equal two. There's, there, you know, you you sometimes have to, as you mentioned, prove things and, and this this chain that you have to prove, this causational chain, sometimes can take an extremely long time. That, unfortunately, is true, Bert. Um, 
Are there any other conditions that are specific to the Gulf War veterans? Yes, actually, there are there are four others. Um, the uh, the VA recognizes uh, what they call uh, Gulf War syndrome, which is an undiagnosed illness, but with uh, a constellation of symptoms, including abnormal weight loss, fatigue, uh, cardiovascular problems, muscle and joint pain, headaches, neurological and psychological problems, skin conditions, breathing disorders, and sleep disturbances. Um, and, and people get different constellations of those. It's not always the same, but uh, you get some combination of those, and the doctors can't find a reason for it in your, um, you know, the typical uh, physiological testing that they do. So um, that's, the, that's the classic Gulf War syndrome, the undiagnosed illness. There are three others. One is a disease called fibromyalgia. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of that in other contexts, but the uh, the most common uh, problem from that is uh, is widespread pain in the muscles. Uh, it's typical to also have insomnia, morning stiffness, headaches, memory problems, um, and digestive difficulties. So uh, that's a second one. A uh, uh, a third is. Uh, what they call functional gastrointestinal disorders, which is basically what I was just mentioning as part of fibromyalgia. It can be a separate condition, but essentially you get a lot of GI symptoms, uh, and uh, it's it's uh, it's typically uh, involves uh, diarrhea, constipation, abdominal pain, and uh, similar problems again, for which they can't find a a uh, an obvious cause. You know, there's no uh, colitis present. There's no uh, uh, you know abdominal uh, uh, condition that would uh, would account for the symptoms. Uh, you know, no abdominal cancers, et cetera. And then the fourth one is uh, uh, what's called myalgic encephalomyelitis, um, which is a mouthful, but uh, you can yeah. you can uh, you can refer to it by its more common name, which is chronic fatigue syndrome. And basically, it just means that the person is constantly uh, feeling tired, sleep doesn't help, um, and they, they're just you know worn out all the time, have no no energy. Um, and that's um, again a uh, a recurring problem that uh, shows up in a, in a lot of uh, Folks who've served in the Gulf for for whatever reasons, and the, the the underlying medical causation for these things is really not that clear. Uh, some of it may be burn pit issues, some of it may be something else, and nobody really knows. But what we do know is that folks coming back from having served in the Gulf have unusually high uh, incidences of these different uh, sets of symptoms, for whatever reason. And one of the interesting things that's just happened, Bert, is the uh, the uh, VA has extended the time for diagnosis of these conditions. Um, there's not usually a time limit on these presumptive conditions, but what um, what the VA had done was when they uh, originally uh, set up these presumptions was to set a uh, 
a, a, a sunset or a termination uh, of them uh, for uh, December 31st, 2021. And they've now extended that cutoff date to December 31st of uh, 2026 because uh, it's taking so long for um, diagnosis and medical assessment of, of all these problems. So um, that's a, a, an interesting and from the veteran's perspective, a very good thing. So I, uh, I, I'm hopeful that ultimately they will lift the time limit entirely uh, because what we found with Agent Orange was that as time goes on and more and more people develop these symptoms, um, there's there's a, an opportunity for better research and a uh, a more effective way to correlate these medical problems with the underlying exposure. And as you and I have talked about with Vietnam, there are people even now who are starting to come down with these problems. And as you know, uh, the Vietnam War essentially ended in 75. So um, it's, you know, it's been a very long time, but um, the, the, the medical science continues to progress. And I think we're going to find the same thing with Gulf War. I think as, as time goes on and more information is collected over larger groups of people, they'll be able to be more definitive, but it just, it takes time. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and that's really the big issue. Uh, time uh, reveals all this stuff, but that's not always easy on the person who's going through the through the process. That's for sure. So, yeah, um, yeah, you know, but it's amazing to me. The, the biggest takeaway is how difficult it can be for our veterans to. Uh, what do you call it, manage or deal with the VA. It just seems like uh, it's an uphill battle a lot of times. I mean, uh, I don't know what the percentage is. Maybe it's only 20% of our veterans that that uh, have to fight to get their benefits. Uh, but it just seems like the government goes out of their way to impede the process. Well, you know, um, I, it's 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 a little more complicated than that. It, it's not. I don't think the typical mindset of these folks that are doing these claims is actually impeding the process. But they come at it, Bert, sort of like a an insurance claims adjuster comes at it, and that is, you know, okay, you've made this claim. Now, what can you actually prove? Um, and that's that's really where um, the process kind of uh, becomes difficult. As as I think I, I may have used this example with you before, but the VA is very good about certain kinds of claims. If if they can see it, they can they can rate it. The the fellow who comes back from Afghanistan, and there was an, an IED that went off. Um, beside his vehicle and uh, he lost an arm they can see that they can rate it they'll they'll take care of that guy no problem guy in the in the same hummer who was sitting on the other side and wasn't physically injured but got a terrible concussion 
and has post-concussion syndrome, he's going to have a harder time because they can't see it. They can't rate it. You know, they have to rely on examinations and tests. And the examiners obviously don't always all agree on exactly what's going on. And so it just um, gets progressively murkier. And as it gets murkier, it gets harder for the veteran to prevail. And so that's uh, that's just an ongoing um, problem in in all of these claims, and it's the same with with other things that the VA can't see. You know, the 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 guy in the back of the Hummer um, who watched his friend in front get his arm blown off may come back with PTSD, and again, that's one that they can't see. So they're dependent on um, getting evaluations by doctors and. As we know, the doctors don't always see things the same way, don't always agree on what the, the diagnosis is or this, how severe it is. And so those things have to get fought out, and sometimes they get resolved quickly, and other times, unfortunately, as you mentioned, they get resolved very slowly. Yeah, and, and you know what? In, in, in listening to your explanation, I think it's extremely valid. I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, we... You have to, in some cases, when, when it's not a visible uh, injury, yeah, you, I, I get that. You have to prove it. Um, I you know, did not want to imply that there was any kind of, you know, evil intent or malice, just that, you know, it's just a, it's unfortunate that they have to jump through all these hurdles. And you mentioned some physical medical conditions. Um, are there other physical medical medical conditions that are common among veterans there there are Bert there are um, well let me give you kind of the the top 10 list Um, the most common is development of of a condition called tinnitus ringing in the ears and um, number two is hearing loss Um, the uh, the third one interestingly enough is scars because as you can appreciate people tend to get a little beat up Um, but um, after that, it's, uh, it's problems with the knee. Um, uh, it's uh, lumbar and cervical strains, you know, the, the back and neck. Uh, it's uh, problems with the sciatic nerve uh, running down into the leg. Uh, it's limitation of motion in the ankle. Uh, as I'm sure you can appreciate, uh, those knees and ankles are, uh, are particularly common among uh, paratroopers. Um, and for that matter, among infantry, and then uh, migraines and uh, uh, problems with the arm, limitation of motion of the arm, and finally, uh, number ten is uh, degenerative arthritis in the spine. Those are the those are the ten most common. And you know, I, I think if you just look at the list, you can you can appreciate uh, how uh, all those things could easily be related to activities in military service. Sure. I mean, that's, yeah, I would just uh, put that under uh, normal wear and tear for a soldier, right? Pretty much. That's, that's, that's really what we're talking about. You know, when you, when you start looking at the commonality of problems across groups of veterans, that's, that's really what it is. You're talking about the enhanced wear and tear, as it were, for people who are in the military. Sure, sure. Let me ask you this. What about mental health conditions? I know, again, you and I have talked about this before, and I think uh, this is an area you've already kind of alluded to it where 
in some cases the VA can't see it. Talk, talk about what's going on in, in reference to the mental health conditions and, and sure. what are some of the common, common conditions among our veterans. Okay. The, the most common um, uh, condition that's claimed in the mental health arena is uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And uh, under DSM-5, there's now a, 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 a variant of that called uh, uh, other specified trauma disorder, which is uh, sort of similar to, to PTSD, but they, the technical diagnosis is a little different. But you can kind of lump those together. The the other ones that are common, and until I started doing this work, I didn't realize why, but um, the the next two most common uh, really are... Uh, are uh, just depression and anxiety, which you can appreciate uh, circumstances of military life might bring out. But the two that, that surprised me when I started doing this work were bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And what I have ultimately learned over the years working with different uh, experts on this is that the reason that those are relatively common for service connection is that uh, service connection includes any condition that you develop while you're in the military. And the people who are in the military typically are starting at 17 or 18 and going up into their early 20s when they enlist. So uh, that also is exactly the age at which people tend to first show the symptoms of both bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Nobody, nobody knows exactly why that comes on um, shortly after puberty, but it, it, uh, it has been pretty conclusively established that that's the time frame. So what you end up with is a bunch of folks who are in the service when um, those conditions develop. And often um, people who are schizophrenic, for example, will have their first psychotic break while they're in the service. Um, and there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, speculation, I guess would be the best word, that the stress of, uh, of uh, military uh, life uh, can, uh, can contribute to the timing of, uh, of the onset of those things. But again, that's, that's one of those things that nobody's really been able to, uh, to prove in a meaningful way. All, all we can really show is that those, those conditions tend to show up um, early in, uh, in life, in the late teens and, and uh, 20s. And since that's the period when virtually everybody uh, enters the service that's going to go in, then necessarily you, you get some of those. And so uh, I, I, I frankly was quite surprised to, to learn that, but I've now seen enough of these cases to know that, yep, that's actually not that uncommon. So those are, those are the big ones, Bert. The, PTSD or other specified trauma, uh, the anxiety and depression, and schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Those are the those are the most common ones. Bert? Hello, Bert. Hello, Bert. 
are you there? Yes, I think okay. I lost you there for a second. Yep, we had a little technical glitch there. Uh, so so uh, you were saying that uh, uh, right as it cut off, you were you had you were talking about the uh, the different conditions, and then I cut out. So I yeah, apologize I for that. that. You may I have to repeat. Yeah, I think I was making the point that uh, uh, we're that when people enlist in the service, it's uh, in their teens and, and early 20s, and that's also the period when, for whatever reasons, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia tend to uh, tend to uh, start to show symptoms for most people. So the uh, the result is that there are a fair number of uh, of folks in the service who uh, start displaying these psychotic symptoms for schizophrenia or uh, the uh, the highs and lows of uh, of bipolar disorder, and that's uh, that was a surprise to me when I started doing this work. I, I didn't realize that those were uh, problems that I would see much of in the service, but in fact they they pop up uh, reasonably frequently comparatively. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I wonder. Uh, the, I wonder if that's because I, I think they say that the you know, that our brains are still developing up until the age of 21 or 25, something like that. So maybe all the additional stress and, and fatigue and, you know, all the stuff that some of our soldiers go through is, is causing these psychotic uh, conditions. Yeah, there's, there's, certainly, there's certainly a lot of speculation that that's, um, that's something that uh, may, may speed up the onset of, uh, of the First set of these symptoms, and, and that that may be why it's uh, you know, why it's appearing uh, in service. Um, but uh, the trouble is, nobody nobody really knows what what causes things like bipolar or uh, schizophrenia. So it's it's hard to uh, to be more specific than that. All all people can say is that stress uh, seems to seems to induce symptoms in some cases. Sure, sure. And, and you know, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here. But I, I do want to kind of ask you this question as far as when it comes to our veterans getting their disability benefits, is a lawyer always necessary? No, Bert, it's, that's certainly not. The, uh, let me take you back to the examples I was giving you earlier. You know, the, the, uh, the folks in the, in the Hummer in Afghanistan, um, the guy who gets his arm blown off, he's not going to need a lawyer. They're, they're going to give him that uh, rating right off. Uh, the fellow with the concussive symptoms and the other fellow with the PTSD, they may need uh, some assistance in, in winning their claims. They, it, it really goes back to how, how clear these things are. If, if, the, if the VA can see it and rate it, nobody's going to need help with that in, in most cases. The, uh, the, the ones where... It gets uh, trickier are, are the things that they they can't see when uh, you know when you have the possibility of of uh, different experts arriving at different opinions and you know somebody says oh yeah he's he's definitely got PTSD and the next guy says no nah, I'm not convinced he's got PTSD and and you know then then you get into these dogfights about well is this really related to service or not and often what happens is that veterans working on their own on these things um, either don't have the resources 
to hire an expert or don't have the uh, expertise to find an expert. Um, and so they don't have the medical proof to show that what happened to them in the service is in fact what uh, has caused their current problems. And, you know, even, um, even sometimes with the best legal help there is, um, you can't always make that connection. I mean, I don't want to leave your, your listeners with the belief that uh, we can solve the problem 100% of the time because that's not true. But I, I would have to say uh, that we're usually able to solve the problem. And, and you know, we get into the, the 90th percentile. So um, it's, it's usually a, a problem that, that can be solved, but not always. Right, right. Yeah, you know what? And, and again, we live in an imperfect world, and and you know it's just one of those things. You're dealing with people, and and look, the Veterans Administration. Uh, there's no surprise there that, like a lot of government agencies, are understaffed, and COVID didn't help that process. So that's for sure. Yeah, and so uh, you know, God bless our our brave men and women, and and God bless the people of the Veterans Administration that. Uh, uh, you know, like you said, for the most part, they're they're trying to do their best to to handle this stuff, uh, and and uh, I, I am grateful for you guys, for Jackson and McNichol and the team there at VeteransBenefits.com that that can step in and can help and and you know, and I, I think that's you know, it it would be great if uh, if if they didn't need the help, but it's good that they have somebody there that can guide them through it and help them. And, and, you know, I think that uh, our audience would be shocked to find out that some of these cases do take years and years, uh, you know, decades sometimes. So I am grateful for, you know, veterans uh, for their service. And I'm grateful for veteransbenefits.com that can, that can help alleviate some of the suffering that they're doing. And, you know, you hear me say this all the time, you know, if, if you're part of our audience today and you're listening to this, share this episode with everybody. Let's, you know, even if you know a veteran and maybe they're not having any problems, let them know about veteransbenefits.com. Just maybe down the road, they might need some help. Uh, it's one of those things that like insurance, hopefully you'll never need it, but if you need it, at least you know where it's at. So Francis Jackson, we're out of time. I want to thank you so much for stopping by, and thank you so much for the the great work that you guys do there at VeteransBenefits.com. My pleasure, Bert. Always nice to talk to you. All righty, good stuff there from America's most trusted lawyer, Francis Jackson, helping our brave men and women get the disability benefits that they deserve. Uh, please share this episode with anybody. Uh, you know, if they're in service, share it with their family. Um, if again, maybe they're not suffering. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't see that they're suffering. Maybe you, you don't see any kind of injury. Share share it with them anyway. Let them know about VeteransBenefits.com. I take this very uh, personally because I know that some of the some of the great work that Francis and his team have done to restore these people's lives. Uh, and, and I kid you not. He's got cases that have taken over 10 years to work through. Could you imagine serving our country, coming back, and now you have this uphill battle to prove your claim? And, and Francis and his team, uh, you know, they stick by these, these people for years at a time. Not all of them take that long, but 
to the individual and their families who have been waiting for years, it's a real blessing to have somebody in your corner. Anyway, so let's share the episode. Let's make sure that everybody knows about veteransbenefits.com and, and the service that they can, you know, that they can deliver. Uh, I think it's uh, incredibly important. As always, my friends, thank you so much for stopping by. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.